Good morning and welcome to the Southland Review. I'm Dennis Bernstein, where we talk all things business. We discuss issues around people, property, and profit. One of the hottest topics in today's business environment are the risks associated with internet operations. Whether you're running a retail business or use the cloud to store and move data, cyber criminal activity can shut your business down or in some cases put you out of business. As you begin to consider cyber insurance or if you currently have some coverage, please make sure that your policy has a couple of things that are really important. One is a duty to defend language, that it provides coverage in excess on any other applicable insurance you might have, and that it has a 24-hour, 365-day breach hotline. These are things that we have seen in, in a lot of policies that really don't have that and causes a big problem. We recently had Alex Pazuki in from Coalition, one of our partners, to present to a group of our customers and prospects. Coalition is a technology-forward cyber insurance solution that believes the best defense is a good offense. Their insurance comes with a state-of-the-art security software that catches problems before they happen at no cost to the customer. Alex has a broad background in both technology and insurance, so he speaks from a fair amount of experience and actually is a really engaging speaker. So we were lucky to have him. The following is an edited version of his presentation. Good morning, everybody. Um, thanks for the introduction, Dennis. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so Coalition, we're, we're a cyber MGA um, backed by Swiss Re. Um, we, we've kind of integrated the, the idea of insurance and security kind of working hand in hand together. Um, what that means is, um, you know, we offer a cyber insurance product um, and then all of our clients um, in conjunction with the partnerships that we have like PIASE, um, we offer free security at no cost to all the insureds. Uh, these are security tools that are ran on your behalf. Um, nothing that you need to do, no clicking, no figuring it out. Um, we look at security from an offensive standpoint rather than a defensive. Uh, best way to explain that is um, if you imagine a security system inside your house, that is not what we do. Um, we patrol outside. We tell people, why do you leave your doors open? Why are your windows open, right? So really looking at risk through the eyes of an adversary. Um, we're located in San Francisco, California. 80% of our staff, you might find interesting as an insurance company, 80% of our staff are actually security engineers, um, half of which played offense for the CIA or NSA. Um, and so today what I wanted to do is kind of give you guys a little knowledge around cyber. I, my presentation is called Cyber Conscious. Um, kind of what's happening, what trends are we seeing from a claims perspective? Um, and I think it might be really interesting to know that a lot of the trends we're seeing are in the small to middle-sized businesses and not so much in the large. Even though we've all seen Capital One and Marriott and you know, we see all the big guys in the news, um, the frequency we're actually seeing in claims is in the small to medium-sized businesses. And I'll, I'll kind of discuss that a little bit. Okay. So just kind of quickly agenda, we'll kind of go over what's going on in cyberspace. Hacking 101, right? What are hackers actually doing? Like, what are they looking for? Um, I'll give you guys some actual real-world claim examples that we've, we've experienced. And then kind of this cultural shift of things that you could be doing today and implement today in your businesses to kind of help you make yourself a little less vulnerable, okay? So what's going on in cyberspace? Um, so currently right now, what we find interesting is 
defense, right? The actual cybersecurity is about a hundred billion dollar market. Um, the insurance market for cyber is probably in the three to four, five billion range, which is really interesting because if you actually think about, it should be an inverse, right? Where if you look at your home insurance versus what is spent on home security, um, it's the inverse, right? We're a lot more spent on insurance rather than the security portion of it. 70% um, of breaches go actually undetected internally. Um, the average time to detect a breach is about 205 days, meaning someone infiltrates your network, um, gets in through business email compromise. Um, people are actually, hackers are actually sitting there for about average of 205 days. Um, the economic harm from cybercrime has well surpassed international drug trafficking, which I thought was an interesting stat that we found. Um, and it's about $1.5 trillion, right? And so this is kind of the insecurity of what cybersecurity is doing today, right? Where they provide a product, they're basically giving you technology to solve the risk that technology is bringing you. And when it doesn't work, because we all know security fails at some point, then they provide you more technology to fix that current problem, right? And so it's just kind of the idea of, you know, how do you actually get up from a risk, right? How do you, how do you actually solve cyber? Um, and our, our theory is to transfer the risk, right? Um, this is some stats on just probably ones that you've heard of, right? You see the Yahoo's, the, the <clears throat> Targets, the Evernotes, the, the JP Morgan, the Anthem, right? So 60% of all cyber attacks worldwide are directed at small to medium-sized businesses. Even though these are the ones that we know about, the big ones, the actual, like, what's actually happening today, the majority of the time are actually small and middle businesses. One in five small and medium businesses fall victim to a cyber attack. Um, and I'll kind of talk to you a little later about what type of cyber attacks those look like. Um, Four million in the average is the average cost of a breach, according to IBM. Now, I will tell you in the small to medium-sized businesses, we're seeing in the hundreds of thousands, right? Um, we do see a lot of frequencies in the, you know, hundreds of 200,000, 250,000. Um, but we'll kind of discuss that in a little bit as well. This is what I thought was most interesting. Um, over 60% of the 62% of the compromised small to medium-sized businesses um, actually go out of business between six to 18 months. And the reason is, is the costs associated with the forensics, the actual, um, you know, maybe a vendor, right, or a client of yours affected because of your breach um, has just been crippling. Um, you know, we, we see claims for, you know, restaurants that are $500,000 in revenue. And we see claims that are exceeding a million dollars, right? And so it's just so hard for a small to medium-sized business to actually absorb that themselves. Okay, so these are what we're actually seeing from a trend standpoint. 45% of the claims we've seen in 2018 were hacked, were hacking into actual networks. 30% were malware. 15% was social engineering. And 10% was uh, privileged misuse, right, insider. Um, the hacking into the network, actually 80% of that was through business email compromise, meaning people were being phished, right? Click on this link, uh, get your Amazon gift card, or, you know, Dennis, looks like Dennis sends me an email and it says, hey, make sure you click on the calendar invite, right? Or this meeting, right? Um, so it's just really interesting on some of the trends we've seen. Social engineering is a very popular one that a lot of people talk about. It's really the, what we call funds transfer fraud is the getting tricked into sending monies, right? 
Um, you know, if a vendor sends you an email saying, hey, for that one contract, let's go ahead, send us the $50,000 to this account number. And you're like, oh, this email looks right, things look good, and you send the money and you realize it's the wrong account number or the email's one digit off, right? So we're seeing that a lot as well. Hacking 101. Um, so there's a really interesting idea around the elite minds, right? What we call the whale hunters, right? What we, we describe to our broker community and our, our, you know, the people that we partner with like PIA, SE, is there's a difference between a target of choice and a target of opportunity, right? A lot of small businesses say one of the, the biggest drawbacks in buying cyber insurance is no one's trying to hack me. Like, I'm not big enough. I'm not Amazon. I'm not Google. I'm not Marriott, right? I'm not Capital One. And they're right. You know, there, there aren't organizations building code to attack your business 24 hours a day. It's not, that's not realistic, right? Unfortunately, what we're seeing in the marketplace today is kind of in the wild, lazy hunters and gatherers, the targets of opportunity. You use a multiple amount of technology services to help run your business efficiently. If it's a payment processing system, if it's a website, if it's integrating your Yelp reviews with what you do for business, if it's your HR system, all these technologies combined provide vulnerabilities that are publicly seen by hackers that then drive a target of opportunity. Well, one of the best metaphors that my mentor actually told me was, if you imagine a massive piece of wood, right? And there's all these nails in this piece of wood hammered in and you see one nail sticking out. That's all a target of opportunity is a hacker has a hammer. He sees a nail and he hits it. They aren't trying to get you. They aren't like going after you, but all the technologies that you use do bring a risk and exposure to, to the business, right? Um, kind of the favorite tactics that people are using are credential stuffing right now. So if you imagine all your employees have a business email address, those business email addresses are used by your employees on third-party sites. If it's logging into LinkedIn, if it's their Nordstrom's account, a lot of people use their corporate email addresses on third-party sites. When those third parties are breached, like we'll use LinkedIn as an example, if I use apazuki at coalitioninc.com as my username for LinkedIn and LinkedIn is breached, my password associated with LinkedIn is now available. And there's a good to decent chance I'm a human and my password on LinkedIn is the same at work. And so what they're using are these compromised emails and passwords and just brute forcing systems to see what sticks. All right, homoglyphic domains, right? This is just lookalike domains, right? Idea of if I am coalitioninc.com and someone makes a website called coalitioninc.com, but they change the O in coalition to the number zero and they start sending emails from apazuki at coalitioninc.com to all the employees of my company and trying to get someone to click on malicious ink and infect malware, right? Uh, third is the funds transfer fraud, right? Is the idea of tricking people into sending funds. Um, we're seeing this quite a bit. Um, I will tell you from a security standpoint at Coalition, um, if you work with PIASE, we actually provide you a security report upon our quote that takes about five seconds. Um, while they're quoting you in our system. Um, and we will show you all the emails that are been associated in third-party breaches. We'll show you if there's any lookalike domains. Um, and so this actually whole, this whole idea actually goes throughout the entire policy term. So if we were to find a lookalike domain on the, this is constantly being ran on your behalf, 
we would notify you and PIASE um, that we found a lookalike domain. And by the way, since we know you use Gmail or we know you use you know, Microsoft 360, this is how you block this domain from ever entering your servers, right? So kind of being proactive from, from a public view, right? Real world claim examples. Um, and you know, I have these up on the screen, you can kind of read through them. Basically the way I did it was kind of gave the actual, what happened, what we did as a company, um, and then you can kind of see it, right? So it an insured received a phishing email containing a malicious attachment, recognizing the sender, but never looking at the domain, which was ever so slightly different. That's kind of the lookalike domain I told you about, different than the real domain. The employee opened the email without a second thought and clicked the attachment. Coalition claims team contacted the insured within minutes of the insured flagging the issue. By obtaining a copy of the email and technical information supplied in the email as well as antivirus logs, we, were, we determined that the insured did in fact download the malicious attachment, but did not open the attachment. Further review of the attachment deemed that the insured's operating system, Mac, um, would not execute the Windows-specific scripting language contained within the malicious attachment. Coalition's actions here were both faster than hiring outside forensics and or counsel, and more cost effective for the insured. In fact, in this case, everything that we did in this claim to solve the claim, we did it without eroding the limit, free at no cost to the client. The idea of being the 911 for you in a claim scenario, right? Underwriting you better and faster, providing security, right, to help you through a policy term, and when a claim happens, actually being there to help solve the breach, to solve the claim, right? Um, and this was actually a really interesting case. Um, here's another one that kind of insured was kind of fraudulently spoofed, right? The email address was off one letter. Uh, you know, they were tricked into sending money. Um, we worked with the insured to file necessary reports with law enforcement and the financial institution. Uh, the institution was able to actually reverse the wire transfer and recover almost half of the wired funds. Um, what's really interesting about this is when we worked with the insured to stop the attacker and to gain access to obtain emails and audit logs, we reviewed the audit logs, assisting the insured in review of open emails and attachments was performed to determine that, you know, PII, PHI, PCI, right, personally identifiable information of their clients was or was not accessed, right? What's really interesting about fraudulently kind of transferring money or funds transfer fraud, in 2018, uh, for all the claims that we had in this space, 60% of the dollars that were sent out fraudulently, we were actually able to retract for our clients, right? Get the money back, like solve the problem, right? No claim, no financial loss, outside of your limit, free at no cost. It's just a service we do, aligning our incentives with your incentives, right? And we were actually able to get about 60% of the money back. On the other 40%, we paid the claims, right? It, it was a very sophisticated breach. It was something we could not track. It was something we could not solve. And in that case, the insurance policy kicked in and we paid the claim. Oops. Um, this is one of my favorites because I get a lot of questions about this. The data breaches don't have to involve computers for a claim to happen. We actually had a doctor who accidentally left patient files on top of his car, drove away, and the files were lost. We had to interview the support staff. We had them look for the records of the location, hired counsel for privilege, and we had to notify the patients provide and provide credit monitoring, right? So this isn't just technology. This A data breach, the way we define data breach, is your client's data, right? And the responsibility you have, if that's paper 
or if that's technology, right? And so I always kind of throw this one in there. As you can imagine, this was a relatively small claim, but if you're a doctor's office, an attorney's office, an accounting office, any kind of professional service where you have files of personal information or account information, um, there is, there is a, an expectation of um, what you're doing with that data, right? And so I just, I always try to point this one out as this isn't a massive claim, as you can imagine, it's just one record. Um, the client would have had to notify them, would have had to provide credit monitoring to this client. And what happens if this would have been like 50 or 100, right? So it's always just kind of an idea of just realizing the difference between if it's in your computer and not in your computer, right? So cyber conscious shift. So what, what I'm gonna do here is kind of housekeeping, things that you can do in your business today. Our personal belief and our partnership with PIASE is, is having insurance, right? Buying insurance to protect yourself in the case that something happens, right? The problem with cyber today is a lot of it's unknown, right? A lot of this is not, is above the normal business owner, right? And so having an insurance policy in place will help you protect yourself in the case that something happens. But these are a few things that kind of help you on your day-to-day -day business. The first one is actually my favorite. Slow down and think a little bit, right? We're so accustomed to going through emails, text messages, social media, so fast, back and forth. Happy clickers typically ignore key warning signs and their systems are quickly compromised. It's really interesting at Coalition, when you become our policyholder, we provide free at no cost security awareness training um, for the first 15 employees at your business. We obviously have a discounted rate through a company called Curricula. Um, these are security awareness training where it's, it's really like kind of, it's animated, it's kind of fun, they're quick videos. You can set up anti-phishing campaigns with your, your, your employees, sending them malicious emails to try to get them, right? And, and have them take a class about it. Um, this is all free, and we find it very useful. Um, do not respond or provide financial or account information via email. Right? There's a lot of times you're going to get an invoice for your business from a vendor or a client. Call, call, call them. Right? Verify the account number. Right? It's an extra step, but it's the difference between what is causing almost 60% of claims in cyber today um, versus just a five-minute call, right? a two-minute call to verify the account number with your client. Right? Watch out for attachments. We're seeing a lot of malicious attachments right now on email attacks. Be cautious of links and emails before clicking a link. Have an expectation of where you'll be taken upon clicking. Don't click a link if you if you expect to enter credentials or run anything, right? I mean, it, the links are huge right now. Make sure you see it. Maybe type it in Google to verify what it is. When in doubt, call the requesting party of a known good phone number, right? To confirm the request, okay? Never call or allow any Microsoft or toll-free support to connect to your computer systems. This is huge. I've seen, I just got this from Apple the other day. I have an iPhone, I have a MacBook, my whole family has integrated the Apple ecosystem like a lot of people have. And Microsoft has actually been the, the biggest driver in this, but I got one from Apple last Thursday actually that was like, hey, you know, your cloud has been breached. Um, click one to talk to Apple support. I hung up the phone immediately and I went to Apple's website. I called Apple and they're like, we know nothing about this, right? So it's really interesting, right? Um, password recommendations. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways people have talked about passwords in the past. Do not use your name 
or your username and your password. Don't make your password Alex Pazuki, right? It's not, not smart of me to do. Do not use the same password for multiple websites, right? Especially financial or banking. Um, I personally have a different website, for, a different password for every single login I have. And there's obviously password managers that can help you maintain that. It's a, it's a step. It's something you got to check, but it's very, very good hygiene. Do not store your passwords in any, in any, I mean, seriously, uncrypted Excel spreadsheet, Word document, or worst place, Outlook notes or drafts. Do not store them in your notes and your email systems at all. Um, this is, I call this my, my father's risk. He stores all his passwords on a Word document on his desktop, and he just goes back and forth to it. I'm like, Dad, that just doesn't work. Like, and if they're getting your system, like they have everything, right? Um, and use a password manager. I, for work, we use one password here at Coalition. Um, personally, in my family, we use LastPass. I actually really like LastPass. It's very, I think there's like a free version, um, but from a business standpoint, it's very cost, of, uh, very cost effective. Um, and what it does, it basically gives you one main password to log into LastPass. You can then upload all your different websites that you go into with the passwords associated. And when, when you're on your laptop and you go to those websites, you will see a, a LastPass icon and you click it and it encrypts a very large password that has nothing to do with your password, but still gives you access. So if you're like breached on that site, the password that they would see is like the craziest numeric code. And they're like, ah, oh, dang it, they got password, right? They got password managers, there's no way we're getting it, right? Um, which, which is, I think it's just a really good way of doing it, okay? And then the kind of the new cyber risk management standard, right? The business need, hardware security, alerts, monitoring, great cyber policy. We've, we've combined the idea of technology and insurance together, um, kind of providing all of the above, right? Understanding the risk, right? Providing a great policy with what we believe is the broadest form in the marketplace. Then giving you alerts and monitoring from a security standpoint, free at no cost. And then in the case of a claim, actually working with you to help solve the problem, right? And, and making sure you're part of it, right? Um, this is kind of the sales exec in action portion. Um, you know, on our website, you can see all the different security apps that we offer, all the ones that are there free at no cost working on behalf of the client. Um, we have cyber risk assessments that give you basically a view of your security posture. Um, we scan anywhere between 40 to 100,000 technological assets every second um, for every one of our insureds, um, providing recommendations, things that you can do. Um, we obviously notify you when there's a real problem. I also want to be very, very clear. These are recommendations. If we notify you on something we found and you don't see the email, you don't pick up our call, you don't fix the problem and a claim happens because of it, we still cover the claim, right? Um, we may all have a, an interesting conversation at renewal on how we could have gotten a hold of you better or what could you have done differently. Um, but we're definitely, we're definitely very proactive in, in being proactive for you, right? And trying to help you out, but there's no warranty wording in our policy that says you must, you are required to fix the problem. Okay. Um, we are 911, right? It's the whole idea of when your house catches on fire, do you call your insurance company? Do you call your broker? You're usually calling the fire department, right? At Coalition, we're 24-7. We have an entire uh, incident response team that we've hired, people that actually uh, 
came from different incident response companies. Um, we just recently hired the head of incident response from the Pentagon to kind of lead our team. So when you call us and you about a claim, this isn't a, a normal insurance carrier where we're going to say, hey, let us get all these third-party companies, uh, forensics company, a breach coach, a, you know, an attorney, all this stuff, where obviously automatically your deductible is gone. Um, we actually go in immediately to try and solve the claim. Now we go in and we find out data has been breached, mon money is gone, we can't get it back. But then yes, like every other insurance company, we go through the claim process through Swiss Re. We handhold them through the process with the breach coach. Um, but that whole idea of solving the claim before the breach really turns into a financial loss, um, once again, is free at no cost and outside the limits. Okay. Any questions you guys have? Actually, um, hey, Alex, I've got a question up in the chat. And so let me ask it to you and you can answer it for everybody. Uh, when I purchase a policy, how does your team work with my IT team to address the items identified in the risk survey? Yeah, absolutely. So great question. Um, so I'll answer it in two parts. So prior to binding a policy with us, if you are just receiving a quote and we have recommendations, if you have an IT department or if you don't have an IT department, we are available to have a conversation about those items and how you can fix them, right? And that's even before writing the account. Now, after writing a policy, in the policy period, we find something that is alarming, let's say, um, or makes you look a little more vulnerable than the business next to you. Um, there's a couple different ways. So we ask for a contact. Um, you can make your internal IT person the contact. Um, if it's a, you know, a handler, risk manager, um, the CFO, operations manager, we have just the owner of a business is usually a contact. If you work with a third party IT company, you can absolutely put them in contact with us and we can go over that as well. Uh, thanks. Hey, I appreciate that, Alex. I'm gonna just ask, are there any other questions? And if so, you know, maybe you wanna just jump in here and type them in really quick. But uh, my guess is I don't think there are any other questions. Um, Alex, we really appreciate you jumping on the call today and, and uh, chatting with some of our, our both customers and prospects. Um, what you're talking about is um, really very important and I don't think a lot of people understand the cost of a problem and I believe in so many cases, smaller businesses just don't think it's going to happen to them. And like you mentioned, you know, 60% of, of this kind of activity is targeted at smaller businesses, and that is only going to continue to grow. So really appreciate it, Alex. Thanks so much. And, uh, and thank all of you for, uh, for joining us this morning. Uh, we appreciate it. We hope you got something out of it. And uh, we'll see you again. Uh, in the next uh, about six weeks or so. Uh, everybody have a great day. Thanks so much.